Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you give us 30 minutes or less of your time and we'll give you a return on your investment of days, weeks, months, even years by shortening your learning curve. Dan Lipkis of Lipkis Farms in Shauna, Illinois, is going to explain Netafim's drip irrigation system and how he has utilized it to maximum benefit and maximum yields on his farms. So I'm holding a piece of the product right here, but there's a lot more than just some drip tape all of this technology right here in the Lipkis Farm makes all those acres out there achieve maximum yields. Dan, start us, start us. What the hell? I'm thinking irrigation. I'm thinking like, uh, okay, center pivot. I'm thinking about all this massive equipment, and you handed me this, and you're showing me a computer. What's going on? Well, in uh, I think it was 2015, uh, I decided that I really needed to get water on this farm. We had pivots on other farms, but on this farm, uh, it's two oddly shaped fields, you know, it's just, there's no way to get pivots on it. It'd take 20 of them and they'd be a bunch of small, odd pivots. So I kept trying to figure out a way to get water on this farm. I looked at maybe those traveling guns, they're a pain in the butt. I went to a farm show and I ran into a guy by the name of Kurt Grimm, which is Nutrigrip, which is a Netafem dealer. And uh, we started talking about drip tape. Uh, concept was new to me. Uh, but I guess they'd been using it out west, it'd been in California, and uh, I started thinking. And then the more I started thinking, I thought, why not? Why can't it work in Illinois? So uh, through a lot of design and conversations, uh, we decided to try it here. And uh, let me explain uh, Let me explain how the system actually works. Before you get into that, I just want to point out that you handed me this. I had no idea what to expect. Mm. You said the word drip tape. So I'm thinking, okay, it's running across the surface of the soil. Mm. It's tape. I don't get mm. it. And then I'm thinking about little spaghetti lines. Mm. And, and you handed me this. So this is not laying across the top of the, the ground. No, this is actually in our fields buried between 12 and 14 inches deep. Uh, the supply lines are running closer to three feet. But this... This is every other row of corn in our, in our fields, which is five feet apart, all the way through the field. So you're talking miles and miles of this are actually in the field. At 12 to 14 inches. And you can yeah. see, dear viewer, and if you're a listener, that's fantastic. But if you want to get the visual, you're going to need to watch the video on this. There's a little teeny orifice. It's, it's really nothing more than a pinprick that's got some reinforced strengthened uh, plastic right around that area. Yeah. And those are about every couple feet. Well, uh, 24 inches on a lot of it. They actually call that an emitter and it, uh, it actually pulses. It puts out a drip of water. Now, when you say a drip of water, you don't think that amounts to a lot, but we're pumping a half a million gallons a day, so there's quite a bit of water coming out over, and that's going to, that's doing 100 acres at half a million gallons. Okay, half a million gallons on 100 acres. On 100, we have 200 acres of it here, but we can't do it all at once. Okay, so 200 acres of your property on this particular farm is utilizing this, 
and you're doing about half but every other day is that kind of what you're doing it, it's depending on uh, cr which crop and crop cycle I have I kind of split it half corn half beans right. the fields work out that way and then if the corn so corn's high demand for water is different than beans sure. so I actually then I can delegate my water a little sure. bit better yeah. and, and my I don't have a huge quantity of water water here so I have to delegate, so that's why we do it that way. Well, obviously seasonality, temperature, right. rainfall is going to affect that also. So I, I, guess I knew you were going to explain all this, but I know that the listener and the viewer is probably thinking, wait, let's start with the big picture here. Yes, it's a, it's how many miles of this do you have? I don't know. It's miles and miles and miles. I couldn't tell you. Miles and miles yeah. of this is covering these 200 acres, and we're at Control Center here, where behind us are essentially almost like bigger versions of a pool filter. There's a computer, and he's got a map right over here. We're going to be showing you all of this. I thought we should start with sort of what's actually out there. And then let's also talk real quickly, big benefit. Center pivot's expensive, a lot of metal out there moving around. Um, this is pretty efficient of, of uh, application of the resource, but also you're not putting all that big equipment out there. Is that the benefit? Well, there, there's, there's multiple benefits to it. I mean, you, you don't have anything over top. You know, you don't have to deal with that. There's still some maintenance because it's still equipment and it's underneath the ground. Occasionally, we have some fixes for it, but uh, that's, just part, that's just part of the animal. Uh, Using less water? We definitely use less water. I would say versus a pivot at least at least a third, uh, at least a third less, yeah. because you basically have no evaporation. evaporation. You know, it's all coming into the root. Uh, think of an IV uh, going into your bloodstream. It's a little bit like that. We've got we've got emitters that are there's roots coming right up to these emitters, and it is drawing it right off of that. Got it. So now that the viewer and listener has got a handle on drip irrigation, what's going on out there in the field? There's a lot of stuff back here at Command Central that makes this all work because it's not like you just go out there and turn on a spigot and say, ah, it looks good to me. What's happening here? All right, so let me explain the system in a, as a whole a little bit and then we'll talk about how we control it. So just to simplify it, think of, just think of your sprayer, a farm sprayer, garden sprayer, don't matter, sprayer. Okay, so a sprayer has components. One of the biggest components Tank. is, well, a, a pump. Uh, and a tank, and a tank for me is actually a reservoir out here, right, so, right, uh, or a stream, or it could be a well. It's a water source. It'd be tank. Got it. Next would be a pump. Yeah. Okay, I have a surface pump here. Mm -hmm. So the pump is pumping the water, and that's, water's coming in here right now, and all you hear is a little humming from my VFD, but there's 500 gallon per wait minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you did that thing. Mm. VFD. Wait a minute, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. uh, VFW is Veterans of Foreign mm. Wars. Uh, BMV is Bureau of mm. Motor Vehicles. Mm. I'm, I'm lost. Variable Frequency Drive. All right. Variable Frequency Drive. That's yeah. what that is. That's basically meaning that it does what? Well, that, that's the only noise is what I was saying that was in here. And what that is doing is as uh, we pump to the different fields with the different water requirements or how much water it can physically take at one time, that will speed and slow my pump up to match. Okay. It's a, it's, it, it varies the electricity. Uh, the electric output or the amperage or okay. voltage. All right, so the water's coming in here. Water comes in. Okay, the next step is it's going through these filters. So we are off a surface mounted uh, pump, so we're getting what you might call dirty water. Yeah, it's not some, like a well. Some debris. Now you pointed out we're comparing it back to a sprayer. You got a reservoir or a tank, you got a pump, 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 same thing. Right. You're bringing it in here. 
uh, a good filter. Sprayer, a good sprayer also has a filter, filter. system because you don't want to clog up your nozzles. Exactly. Okay, take me from the filters. Okay, after the filters, then you would go to your supply lines, right? Uh -huh. right. Which would be your boom, heading yeah. out on your boom. To, to your nozzles. And that's what we have all the way through these fields, our supply lines or our main lines. Those are buried three foot deep because yeah. you're in Illinois. Yeah. Well, we actually still blow those out with air even at three foot at the end of the year. We, we worry about freezing. Yeah. So they, they leave here at an eight inch diameter. Um, they get down to as low as uh, four and three when we get farther out and that's all about uh, pressure compensation and drag of the water and everything and that's all mathematically done to see to size it to what you need so after your supply line or your boom per se then if it was a sprayer you would have your nozzles well with this it's our emitters Okay. So our emitters are our tips, as you might say. So this is a totally enclosed system this is that the is nozzle. pressurized. That's, this is the equivalent of a nozzle square. Correct. And this is the line that goes just to it, and then of course then there's a bigger line that coming to this, going down the boom, etc. I got you. Okay. Right. Take me. Okay. So the, as this water comes out the emitters, it also uh, is doing somewhat of a it's kind of a loop. It's a closed loop, but all the all your pumping out does go out through the emitters. But there is at the far end what they call a flush line. So it's not it doesn't deadhead at the other end of the field. There are valves at the other end of the field that we use uh, to use basically to clean those lines if some dirt gets by a couple times a year. We open those, just mass flow of the water, it bypasses the emitter and it cleans any sediment out of the line. So. Even, though, even though it's really pressure under here, you still just get some sedimentation from the, from the water. It's a lot of, I'm in a sandy area, so yeah, we, we get some, some sediment, yeah, but it's, it's very little for the amount that we're putting out. This complexity of equipment, by the way, listener, we are coming to you from a cargo container. This is uh, a cargo container that Dan has retrofitted in, put in a door, obviously installed electricity and some lights. This is nothing more than a cargo container. It's a pretty important cargo container because this is command central for these 200 acres of irrigation. This, what happens? All right, so to control this system, we do have a fairly high-tech system to do this. This is NetFM's, it's what they call the NMC Pro. Okay, I can control this from, from here or from my phone or from an iPad or from, I've had uh, my dealer in Kansas uh, control it and do some things from there. We've, uh, we have uh, NetFM is an Israeli company. They can log on and look at what this system is doing right now. It's all internet based and occasionally you know we do that because we've done a lot of prototype stuff with them. So, so even the company if you say I got a problem they can fix this remotely? Well they can look at it and at least Di help diagnose, assess, diagnose, diagnose yeah, yeah which, which we do utilize occasionally. So this is basically just a, a computer but with this computer we also have a fertilizer system and I program in how much fertilizer I want it to use. Now this is very accurate. A lot of pivot systems you got a pump on the outside and it's usually like a diaphragm or piston pump and you do an okay job but you're always kind of guessing at the gallons. I mean you never get it right dead, dead on. This will get it dead on. You program in to put in 86 gallons total or I don't know, say, let's just say 10 gallons of the acre and you need uh, you know 860 gallons total you program that all in it will automatically bring turn the fertilizer on and off and at, at a set time okay, so we just talked about we're using less water per acre because we're not having the evaporation we don't have all that infrastructure above ground which also knocks down uh, 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 
you know, crops and then uh, center pivots uh, get struck by lightning and uh, create you know, ruts. Tornadoes, create ruts. So there's some various obvious benefits. Just so I know, where's the fertilizer coming from? Is there a tank outside this cargo container and it just siphons in? Yeah, what, what I generally do is I either, uh, I usually weld this back a tank up to yeah. the back of that. These hoses here, which I have hanging right here, they go out through these holes I have over here. Got They're it. plugged into the back of this. They're plugged into the tank. This calls for, this is on a, a Venturi system. So as water flows through, you turn on this pump right here. And as a Venturi, it basically sucks it. Okay. You know, and it sucks a meter to mount and yeah. then it shuts off. Keeps it real accurate. So you're utilizing the resources to the desired amount and then it goes out there. Um, what also then, there's other stuff you're going okay. on. So part of controlling the system, now we can only water a certain amount at one time and and it's in that between 30 and 50 acres that we are doing at once okay in a in a day's time i do 100 yeah, acres right. but 30 to 50 acres because that's the amount of water that i can supply with my pump yep. and get out to the field at one time so right now we're doing like half of 100 acres over a 12-hour period, yep. and then it automatically switches to that other. Tomorrow will be the other yeah, half they, of 100 right, acres, Yeah, Right, so that is controlled here, but how it's controlling it, part of it is is actually hardwire and out to the valves or in the field. That was our first 100 acres that we put in. The next year, we put in a, another 100 acres that was a little farther away, still the same system, but that's all controlled by radio net, okay. and that's a radio control. I mean, that puts out a, you know, a message just like a radio wave, it'll trigger a valve, it'll turn it on. Because it's not wired. Correct. Because of distance. Yeah. So really the limitation on this, it doesn't have to be, oh, I got my cargo container here that I retrofit is because it feeds all that. It can be a mile down the road. They can be. It, it, you need more pump if you're going that far yeah, out, but you, yes. You gotta have the supply of water. And actually, uh, yeah, when we go outside, I'll kind of show you. I mean, I'll point to as far as it's going and it's, close to a mile from right here okay almost got yeah. it all right anything else we haven't covered while we're here in the container uh command course well it's it's uh it's like i said it, it's actually a fairly it, it looks what do i call complicated but it's actually fairly uh, it's, it's, pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly simplistic after you figure it out. I saw something know? in a James Bond movie yeah. once where the villain like had a building yeah. like this yeah. where there's pumps yeah. running and he was going to like yeah. take over the world. Yeah. So I don't know, Dan. Well, I'm that's common. That's common. <laughs> and on the wall, we do have a diagram here. And um, this basically just uh, shows the fields and the zones. So you know what I was talking about, how we're irregularly shaped. So this here, this is zone one, two, three, and four. That's actually one field but it's split into four zones, but I am watering all four of those at one time. Okay. We had to do that because of the shape. See how these are running at this angle? Yeah. Those yeah. are running at that angle. It's just the shape of the field so and try to get it all. If you're listening to this and you're not able to view it on the video, that's completely understandable. But Dan's showing me, you know, we're not in one of those places where they divide up uh, a, a, a mile by mile. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a 640 mm -hmm. acre chunk of ground or a 320 or a 160. It's an oddball shape and there's some uh, some creek beds and it's, it's a topo map we're looking at. It's a topographical map with different uh, topo zones. Although we don't have a lot of elevation change within this. I mean, we're talking, what, 10 foot of no, elevation No, no, actually uh, from, uh, I think from here to here, I think is, uh, 
50 to 60 feet. Okay, so we do have as much It doesn't as, look like much, right. but it is. So we do have as much as 60 foot of variation yeah. of, of uh, latitude, I'm sorry, altitude uh, from one end to the other. So he's got a topo map with all the lines and all the, uh, and this also when you know we got a problem. <clears throat> Does it show you? It says you're in well, zone three or you're in well, zone Well, what it'll do is whatever whatever zone you're irrigating at, and I check this fairly often, so let's just say I'm on zone three, right. and I know where my gallons are supposed to be. Right. They're supposed to be, and it says right on there, target at, let's say, 460 gallon. And usually we're pumping right in there, you know, it'll go back and forth just a little bit. But if I'm 20 gallon over, 40 gallon over, I know I got a leak. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we got to find a leak. Which, and uh, what they'll say, your leaks will, uh, your leaks will, how they put it, will arise. I mean, it does come right to the top of the ground. Sure. You can find them. You're going to find a mud puddle. You're, well, it's going to be spewing water right out of the top of the ground. Okay, and, a big rain comes through. Does this thing know to shut itself off, or do you get uh, on your phone and shut it off? Uh, I, as of right now, I always manually shut it off. Now, we have ran moisture sensors in the fields mm -hmm. that have the ability to shut it off. I've always just preferred to control it myself because we will run through some rain events because this this farm is so sandy yeah. that even if I get a half, it's not enough. I just keep it running. Especially you know? here we are, we're recording this at the end of July where it's plenty warm and there's mm -hmm. plenty of evaporation. So is there a target? Do you set the target amount you want of moisture per acre? Does it go by your gut? Does it go by what Nedefin well, tells you? Well, there's there's several different parameters there. So number one, crop, crop and transpiration. Now in our area, uh, transpiration for corn is in that quarter inch per day at, at high use. Uh, the most I can put on a day is 0.15, but I'm also putting it underneath, not on top so i think i'm i can almost cover you're transpiration about, you're basically breaking even with transpiration just by putting it in there and then uh so then the rain makes you right yeah. right um we with this system i sure still love to get a rain once in a while just so i don't have to run everything quite as hard yeah. you know which we do right. but but when it's really dry i mean this this soil is really sandy mm -hmm. and uh i would get this is one of those farms you would zero out on it would not ear without irrigation if, if you were in a dry scenario. Okay. Man, now we're, this this is the farm that uh, we first started winning with NCGA. So North National Corn Grower Association yield competitions happened on this sandy ground that you did drip irrigation on. This was your first winter? Yes. How many years ago did you put in drip irrigation here? Uh, I think it was 2015, so that we'd be on our sixth season, okay. I believe. And. The comparison we'll talk about when we're in the field about what we see in the field from uh, another style of irrigation, call it center pivot to this, and I'd like you to explain that. Is there anything we need to cover while we're still in the command central here? I think we pretty much got this. All right, we'll see you in the field. Okay, folks, as promised, we're out here in the field now. Dan Lipkis at Lipkis Farms is going to show us what the actual real infield results are with his drip irrigation system by Netafem. Dan, you know, we got that little pipe and we showed already so now the viewer uh, and listener can understand that's buried, you said, about 12 inches under the ground. So take us from there. All right. So this this is the Netafim drip tape, per se. And this is a meter right here. And by emitter, I mean it's just a, it's, it's, it's more than a hole. It's got a... It's got a little flapper in it that it pulses out a, uh, a drip of water at a time. So as we're irrigating, like, like Damien said, we're like 12 to 14 inches underneath the ground right here. So picture this, 12 to 14 inches underneath. 
and the emitter right here and as you can see I've got a wet uh, bloom of soil right here. Now what we've got, we've got that in between these two rows. So these two rows are being fed off this, uh, this line. Uh, in between the next row, there's a skip, and then the next two, there's another one of these. So it's kind of like uh, side dressing every other row. These two feed from this, this one, the next two feed from the next two. What it's doing is it's just, that's why they call it an emitter, it just keeps emitting a drop. And that drop just keeps coming out, keeps coming out. We're doing this over a 12-hour cycle. So that moisture is coming to the surface. And right here, you can see, I mean, this is actually wet, wet soil right here. And just over in the next row, I've got dry soil. So these two rows are feeding off of that. And the results of that are, is we're getting this crop watered. Uh, like I said, this ground, uh, the subsoil on this ground is actually like silica sand, white silica sand. So I have no water holding capacity at about 24 inches. So that's why this uh, this is really critical for us to keep enough water out here. You know, Dan, I, I know that in like my part of the world, we talk at great length about where, where I, my farm is that we feed we feed August crops without irrigation if we have the right moisture during the uh, fall, winter, and spring because we're building back that bank in the subsoil. I think that's a real important point you just made. We got pretty tight subsoils where I am in my farm. You just said you have no soil, uh, no water holding capacity in your subsoil. So, as you stated in our uh, in our um, command central where we're looking at the computer. You didn't have this drip irrigation. What would this look like? Oh man! I mean, as dry as we weren't earlier, the earlier this season, these stalks would be uh, half this girth. Um, I don't know if we would have eared or not. We might have because we did get some rain later on. But it it would be a totally different corn crop if we didn't have this drip drip system in. We I always say on this kind of ground, you know, we're a week away from a disaster. We might get a inch one weekend and if it didn't rain by the next Saturday or Sunday, uh, things were be in tough shape. But with this drip, I can keep I can keep the crop going in between the rains. And uh, we talked about a benefit this versus uh, center pivot. Center pivot is going to use more water. You got the evaporation issue and you're also going to knock down some crop, you got some ruts. So a benefit with the drip is that you don't, uh, don't have those issues. Um, right now, if you uh, were to look at the results, any difference between this and, uh, and, and center pivot? Would center pivot be doing a better job on a year like this or on a dry year or on a wet year? Is there an advantage based on seasonality? Uh, the, the, they each have their, their strong points uh you know the the biggest thing about this on this particular farm is i wouldn't be able to get center pivots on here because of the shape of the fields another advantage is the amount of water that's available off this farm is uh isn't very much i'm we're running off a surface uh pump in a very small creek if we were trying to go to a pivot we'd be losing a lot to evaporation or transpiration so uh going underneath i can actually get it done with uh with less less moisture yeah and with, and with having less capacity you'd have to drill a couple of wells if you wanted to feed a center pivot presumably for this 200 acres correct Dan I got another question for you um, we're only putting this between every other row um, 
So, which is still adequate because it takes care of the plants. But this means that your your plant planting rows have to be the same place because you can't dig this tape up and move it. Whereas with a center pivot, it don't matter where you plant, it's going to cover that whole 130 acres of 160 and just leave your corners dry. Am I right? That's correct. That would be one of like I was talking uh, advantages and disadvantages. So here we basically have no corners per se. So there's very, very small areas that we cannot get to. A pivot, there are some areas that you can't get to. Upside of a pivot is uh, you, you, you can plant wherever you want. You know, you can tell. You don't have to worry when you're out digging out if you got tiling to do. You know, with with a drip system, you got to you pre-plan a little bit. If you need any tiling, you want that done first. Uh, we plant on RTK. So we go, you are correct, we go on the same. RTK, wait a minute, you're doing more buzz, more buzz acronyms, what you got here? Well, RTK is, is a accurate form of guidance for a tractor. That is what you call sub-inch. Okay. Uh, that's where it's we're putting her exactly in the same spot every year. Yeah, that way your your accuracy of water placement then in, and the accuracy of seed placement, it's all working together hand in hand to get you the the benefit of the huge crop. That's correct. And with uh, you know, you'd be surprised with this this poor soil and then adding some water and you know, we can add our fertility through this and space it out through the year a little bit later in the season. Uh, the strip the strip system is where I really start realizing the benefits of late season nitrogen for one and other nutrients as well. Uh, that's when our yields start increase. Since then uh, we have used that knowledge to go more to the pivots with some late season stuff because we can do that too just not quite as accurately but we can put some late season uh, nutrients out there and then even on our dryland stuff I start thinking about what could I do late season to get you know something else out there so it makes you think and when you think you know you can figure things out yeah actually uh, I, I remember uh, uh, a long time ago someone said uh, in business smart thing is that if you want to get results uh, change how you do things if you want to get big results change how you see things see how you see how you see and think about things so you're talking about really a change in how you approach the whole farming period and as you just said this gives you the ability to change up um, nutrition even through the season and, and at the end of the season Oh, it, it, you're absolutely right. And I, I like what you just said about changing about how you see things. I, I look at things a fair amount differently than I did when I was younger. And I don't know if it's experience or just, you know, knowledge over time. But, you know, when I walk into a field like this, lots of times I don't look up at the crop at the first thing. The first thing, I'm a big soil guy. You know, I look down at the ground. You know, for one thing, if I see this, you know, this moisture bloom, I start seeing how big it is, where it's going. But I'm also looking... I'm looking at my biology out here. I'm looking at how decomposition is ha being handled out here. Uh, I'm looking at my worm population, um, looking at a lot of different things. So I'm on my hands and knees a lot out in the field. And like I said, a lot of time I'm looking down instead of up. You um, also need to apologize to a few of your Extreme Ag member, I'm sorry, Extreme Ag founder friends. Uh, some of those guys in the South, they heard you say, out here with this really bad soil, you realize that some of those guys in Arkansas and Alabama would kill for ground this good, because you know what? They just don't got it. Well, on top, it looks good, but I guarantee you their subsoils are better. If I could dig down and show you, 
Do you know, you've heard of fracking sand, that white fracking sand? Uh -huh. yes. That's what I have at 24 inches. What do we what do we not cover here on our way out the door now, talk about drip irrigation. The results obviously are pretty darn good. You've got amazing stand, you've got great stalks, uh, you know, uh, diameter, you've you got even stand, you've got your shooting ears. Anything that we're missing that we need to tell people going out the door about drip irrigation? Well, it's, one thing about it is water, you know, I guess, what's the right, what's the buzzword? Sustainability, you know, we, we're, we're able to sustain our water uh, use better. We're able to sustain our nutrient use better. Uh, those are the kind of things that you really want to start looking at and think about when you start thinking about drip irrigation. Efficiency is one of the words that comes to mind with this system. And uh, it's, uh, for me, in this kind of soil, the ROI was really fast. And, and the ROI isn't just um, about yield. You know, it's also about the value of the ground. So when this ground I bought for what I would call cheap because it's poor ground, poor, poor production uh, index, it's just poor ground. No one really even really wanted it. There was rented ground before and guys seemed like they'd go broke here pretty often. And, and I was told I'd go broke if I farmed this. Well, I started looking at it a different way and figuring it out and uh, it, uh, you know, you can do things with ground like this, and if you buy it, I'm going to use round numbers. Let's say this ground today, uh, without irrigation, was worth $5,000 an acre. With with irrigation, I mean, what's it worth? I've got, you know, we get 300 bushel off this a lot. I think I've got a 280 or 85 proven irrigation yield down here, and that's with tree line all the way around and a lot of loss. Uh, what could I get for that ground now? Twelve. You know, five five without irrigation, ten or twelve with. Yeah. Look at that ROI. Yeah. So all of a sudden you just increased net, increased asset value on it. Hey, you know what? Let's wrap it up in here. Let's do a, a let's do a final wrap outside uh, of the field where we can show them the uh, the a little bit of the infrastructure and give them the last tips and, and uh, advice for if anybody that wants to start their own drip irrigation installation. All right, Dan, we've been in Command Central where we looked at the computer and we explained how the NetFM system works for drip irrigation. Then we went into the field and we saw that amazing placement of water right there between every other row, uh, effectively watering uh, what's going to be maybe a record or uh, close to uh, uh, a record corn crop. But there's some infrastructure we haven't talked about. What are we looking at here at the, the intersection uh, down the road from your fields? All right, so this is this is a valve bank, and there's actually one inside this concrete thing too. So there's there's four zones basically uh, being controlled right here, and each of these pipes is going out to a section of the field. So these two sections right here is what I call zone five and six and they're running together right now and they are actually watering a 60 acre field and that's going on right now. The way that's controlled is through this radio net system and what that is is we are I don't know what are we a half mile from our container set up right now. Uh, it sends a radio wave out here. It turns these valves on and off via the computer as it's programmed to do. So as of right now, I have water flowing through these. Okay, got it. At, at pressure, and it's going out to that drip tape, and that's what we've seen in the field. Okay. Um, we cover a lot of stuff about the, you know, the, the infrastructure, and there's a fair amount here. That was one of the points you made. Putting these systems in, 
it's not like just running out there and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> tossing in a fence post. We're talking about some pretty major undertaking. I would say, you know, I would call it fairly extensive. You know, I mean, you only got to do it one time, but it is fairly extensive. We do have our own excavating equipment, so I did all the, I did all the, the uh, main line, yeah. you know, all the main pipe. We dug it all with our hose and helped lay it all. And, and after that, you hook, you got to hook the main line with risers to every drip, drip tape. And it does go through on the, on the application stuff that's about 12 inches down. It's almost like a little miniature drainage tile. It goes on a roll, correct? It is on a roll. And, and ours at, I probably should mention, ours is at 12, but you could be deeper. I mean, I know guys that went at 16 inches, but uh, the reason, you always want to look at your soil when you decide where you're going to put it because a, lo a soil change yeah. or a layer change, yeah. you don't want to be right underneath that because you got to, you'd have to push through the layer yeah, change. The point is you said that you've got such sandy subsoil. If you were down too deep, you'd just be giving your water back to the earth. I'd just you're, run it all out. You're trying to give your water to your plants. So exactly. It's going to vary by soil type and by uh, a couple other um, critical factors there. Um, to the person that's going to put in one of these systems, you did it, what, six years ago? What uh, what have you learned? What mistake did you make? What thing would you recommend? Uh, what thing did you learn on the fly? Oh, we were we were one of the earlier systems, so yeah, we definitely learned a lot, and you know, Netafim learned along with us on some of this stuff, and they've changed some some stuff since. But one of the initial things was was that we were going to deliver. Uh, you know, a big dose of our fertility through the system. Well, I learned the first year that, you know, when you're five feet apart, the roots aren't out far enough to get all that fertility right away and thus enhance like what we talked about on our planter where we have that banded fertilizer. So what we learned was is that till the crop is probably waist high, shoulder high, where it's got a good root system, that's when you can start applying some of that later season uh, fertility. Uh, one of our mistakes was trying to rely on it too much up front. The roots weren't big enough to get to it then. Got it. And then any other thoughts uh, on on the just the install? Um, you know, uh, you did it and it was a big undertaking. You don't regret any of it. You're pretty happy you've done it. Do you see yourself doing more of it? Oh, if we have, if I've got the right track. In fact, we're actually looking at two now that uh, I might put some more in on. I mean, especially when you have a dry year like we were in yeah. earlier, yeah. You, you know, on a wet year, you go, yeah, it'll be all right. On a dry year, you see that stuff dying and you're like, maybe I need to figure this out. Maybe I need to get some on there. So I think we are going to do some more of and it. And when you do it the next time, the one little thing you might change from the, the, the initial one was? Uh, just, they have simplified design somewhat. And, and we've learned uh, how to do that a little bit too. Uh, I was in on some of the early uh, design on, on just how we were gonna put stuff, you know, and I've learned a lot myself and, and I, I would do some things a little differently. That's, that's, that's fantastic. His name's Dan Lipkiss, my name's Damian Mason. This has been another fantastic, thank you by the way, very illustrative, very demonstrative. Those are, you know, uh, uh, you know words saying, thank you for showing us your crap. Uh, until next time, he's Dan, I'm Damian. It's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you give us a little bit of your time and we'll save you time by shortening your learning curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.